Hello and welcome to the What's Important Now podcast. My name is Ryan Hecht. I'm the marketing director at the Arvada Chamber of Commerce. Today, I'm thrilled to be talking about civility. Advancing civil discourse and open discussion is critical for the chamber when it comes to business leadership and elected official engagement. Luckily for us, we can learn from examples of civility campaigns at the collegiate level. The Public Relations Student Society of America hosted a competition this past year which challenged student teams to implement a public relations campaign centered on enhancing civility in their community. Today we're joined by Samantha Troisi from the University of California, Long Beach, the winning team from this competition, and Ariel Wiedenbeck from the University of Nebraska, Lincoln, which placed second. Both graduated in May. Thank you so much for joining us today. First question I will throw to Ariel. Let's start with the problem you were trying to solve. So based on your findings, all the research that you did, um, what are the major consequences of incivility in America in 2021? Yeah, uh, you can see the cost of incivility in almost every aspect of life. It undermines democracy, it lowers people's overall job satisfaction, it weakens community ties. I mean, workplace instability results in a loss of productivity and it costs employers $14,000 per employee. Um, One of the main findings that actually really drove our campaign was that individuals who act uncivil are likely to become more aggressive and violent in the future. And that's this idea that incivility essentially snowballs. And all of these consequences are exacerbated by this norm that we carry in society that it's almost always best or simply easier to stay away from conflict rather than deal with it. Samantha, I want to ask you, Samantha, from the um, uh, UC Long Beach team, uh, what did you find is the impact of incivility for businesses, uh, both internal workplace incivility and then how the public interacts with businesses? Well, that is definitely a loaded question that has a lot of different facets and angles. Um, You can start by, you know, what Ariel had said, that workplace incivility has an impact on employees. um, And that is a huge deal. We talk a lot about microaggressions in the workplace, you know, people of color, especially that experience those types of um, uncivil or incivil acts toward them. And it really does lower um, employee satisfaction. We've seen now, especially after the pandemic, that that is actually one of the most important things to employees is that they feel safe, that they feel heard, that they feel like they are working in an environment where they're allowed to be themselves and to do that safely as well. Um, So we've seen that employee satisfaction be one of the more important things uh, when people are looking to find a job, especially now in the time of the great resignation and the great reshuffle. um, Something that employers will see is that employees want to work somewhere that aligns with their values and what they care about. And so if you're a business that doesn't support civility or doesn't you know, align with their values, you're going to lose top talent because we can probably see that those people who care about those things are the top talent. So you, know, you see it with how successful your business is by how happy your employees are because they feel that they're in a safe environment. You'll have more employees because they want to come and work for you. And there is a huge talent pool right now. Um, And then also there's the consumer side of it, right? Every consumer now has the ability to say, I don't want to shop there. I don't want to purchase from you. You do things or you support things that I don't want to support. And so they won't shop there. 
Um, I won't name drop, but there are plenty of places that I've never eaten that I refuse to shop because they don't align with what I believe is civil and right. Um, so you definitely will lose <laughs> a whole consumer base depending on where you align. Um, and I think now, you know, you do have to make a stance as an employee. I do think that's part of corporate responsibility these days is that you have the responsibility to be a leader in civility. How do you do that? It's through, you know, your messaging, through your social media as PR and communications, uh, you know, representatives, and that's what we do. It's how do I help my client to tell those stories appropriately, how to align themselves appropriately so that they are, you know, expressing their key values so that consumers want to, to shop with them or believe in them and want to support them. Um, so like I said, it's a big picture. There's a lot of things that go into civility and businesses and what they can do. And, you know, also, you know, how does it impact it? If you're an, an uncivil or you align with things like that, you know, cancel culture is real um, and organizations and corporations are not exempt from that. Uh, so, you know, these days it's really important to make sure you're aligning with the values of consumers and your employees. Excellent answer. You, you touched on, on so many things we're thinking of here at the Chamber of Commerce, um, from uh, workforce concerns to culture, um, to inclusion, it, civility, it, it, it concerns itself with all of those issues. And uh, you did touch on uh, how you put those messages out into the world, um, primarily through social media these days. And Samantha, I want to go back to you um, with a question on uh, top causes of, of incivility. And a part of your research that I found was really interesting. Uh, you found that approximately 80% of those that you surveyed have blocked or deleted at least one person on social media because of a specific post. Uh, so my question is based on your research, where are those causes of incivility? Um, and then where can we as individuals or, and businesses have the biggest influence uh, on civility? Sure. Well, we definitely found that the top three causes of incivility or what people perceived through our surveys and research was social media and the internet, the news media, and then politicians. Um, I would be interested to do another survey now, um, now that we're slightly removed from the last several years and kind of see how that would shake out. I do think that social media and the internet would be um, still at the top. And I think that's mostly because of accessibility. That's where, especially in the last two years, we've spent a lot of our time um, through the pandemic. So I do think that that has something to do with it. Um, there is this level of anonymity that comes with that. So people are very willing to say things um, that they may not say to someone face to face. And so people put a lot of things out there on the internet, on social media. Um, and I think uh, Ariel had said something about this earlier too, of that a lot of people don't want to engage in conflict or confrontation. And so it is much easier to block, delete, move on, um, than to say, hey, what you're saying isn't right and cause a quote unquote flame war, you know, on Facebook with your family. Um, we did see that the top places that people feel um, this type of disconnect in their life because of instability was with family and friends um, and in the workplace. So, um, and what businesses and individuals can do, you know, it's a big proponent of what our campaign was, is be an agent of change. You know, we had 86% of people say that they themselves had committed some sort of active incivility and we're very willing to admit it, right? Like I'm not always perfect. I engaged in that. So what is the first thing we can do? Um, 
is to realize that we're not perfect and that maybe we aren't always acting the way that we need to or, you know, promoting our ideals and values and beliefs. And so by being an agent of change ourselves, we can hopefully see the change um, and civility that we want to see. And that goes for businesses as well. It's taking the onus on, you know, your your style of corporate responsibility of we need to take a stance or we won't tolerate, you know, X, Y, Z on our pages, or, you know, we are going to support this group because they support the ideals of promoting civility and public discourse. So it's very much of being the change that you want to see. It's cheesy, but it's true. You know, be that, that first step. Love that. Um, I want to now talk about some tactics that both of your uh, teams put on, and this is my chance to brag a little bit about your um, your entries and campaigns. The UC Long Beach campaign saw 3.7 million media impressions, which is amazing. And the Nebraska Lincoln campaign uh, garnered 700 followers across 18 states and five countries. So this is not just an impact in your community, but much further than that. So what was your most creative tactic and then the most impactful that you use to spread civility and uh, Ariel, I'll go to you first. I think this was maybe our most creative and our most impactful because you can think of impactful as, you know, the followers we get on social media and those like hard numbers, but seeing that impact within a community, it feels so much more important and real than just like numbers on a page. And we really got that through our event. It was called the Civility Effect Experience. We held it on our campus at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. We had people come up to our booth and we made these sort of life-size dominoes and people would assign a civility pledge and put we put the pledge on the life-size domino. And this really hinged on the idea of our campaign and that was that the civility effect, it's like a domino. One civil action can create thousands of more civil actions that can affect your community, that can affect the world. And that when you don't choose civility and when you choose avoidance, it can create a negative impact. And so we wanted to physically show how that impact works. And by putting each person's name on a domino and we all knock those dominoes over at the end, it was sort of a physical manifestation of this abstract idea that affects all of our lives every day. It was really cool. We saw 40% of people actually continue um, involvement with the civility effect beyond just that event. And I heard people talking about it and it was just this incredible thing to see that people were truly understanding the physical aspect of what this idea meant. That's awesome. Um, Samantha, how about you? Yeah, I mean, Ariel, that was definitely one of my favorite parts of your campaign for sure. I loved that. Thank you. Um, Of course. Um, I think for us, I think our most creative aspect was writing our children's book. You know, we really, (laughs) I don't know what we were thinking, but we really went into this campaign thinking literally every person on this planet is impacted by incivility. How can we do something for everyone? Um, And that was how we decided to tackle, you know, teaching children because we believe that really civility starts at a young age. And of course, it doesn't sound that way for kids. It's respect. It's kindness. How do you understand people who maybe don't look like you? How do you empathize? So we got together and wrote a children's book, and it was illustrated by um, a Cal State Long Beach alum um, by 
Chan, and it was based on her Cambodian upbringing and on her family members, and it was really representative of the API community, which was really important to us. Um, we had a digital version, we had a, a live reading that we you know, recorded and then sent out. We also donated hardcovers to a few of the local Long Beach elementary schools. And so for us, it was a really challenging project because we had such a short amount of time to do it, but we had a lot of fun with it. And um, definitely one of the pieces of our campaign that we're the most proud of. Um, and I definitely think that's impactful, but I think for me personally, the most impactful um, part of our campaign would be the events that we held because having that one-on-one -on -one connection, like Ariel was saying, kind of seeing the impact in the community, it really, it resonates with you. And I mean, we've had people come to us in some of our Zoom events. We weren't really allowed to meet in person. We had one kind of <laughs> in-person off the books um, meeting, but over Zoom, you know, people crying and telling their stories and how impacted they were by acts of incivility in their lives or how they don't talk to their family members or their friends and how can we help them by you know mending those relationships and by giving them some of the the tools of you know better communication of you know maybe they can mend those um so feeling that connection with the community and helping to give them tools to better communicate and kind of mend those fractured pieces of their lives that was probably the most impactful Ariel, I wanted to uh, follow up on something that I thought was great in your report. Uh, you mentioned that uh, promoting civility has some weaknesses that have to be addressed. And you have a quote in here that says the hardest obstacle is endorsing the value of civility without downplaying the moral risk. The largest of those risks is that marginalized groups are often disadvantaged by those in power wielding civility quote, as a master value that rules out even legitimate reasons to be angry, end quote. Uh, it's a huge challenge. And I wanted to ask you how you uh, encourage civil discourse while still empowering voices, particularly marginalized voices. Yeah, I think this is a really important question. And I'm glad that you're asking this in this podcast. Um, to start, I think a lot of people think that civil conversations have to be cool, calm, collected, fully reliant on logic and facts. And while that is true to a degree, those are major aspects that contribute to a successful civil dialogue. It is unreasonable to ask someone in a marginalized community, especially who is experiencing discrimination and hardship to not become emotional and worked up about some of these issues. And so when that happens in a discussion, people on the other side go, whoa, 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 you're getting worked up, you're getting emotional, like we need to keep this civil, we need to keep it calm. And even if it's not directly meant to silence them, that can happen on accident, even with good intentions. But that, in a way, it stops those people from truly expressing how they feel about the hardships that they face. And we need to remember that the emotional experience for marginalized communities is extremely important and almost as important as the logical and the facts that come from these experiences. And so we need to allow those people to have that emotional response as long as we are we have an underlying foundation of respect and a genuine desire to listen. And along with that, it is extremely important to open and create spaces for narratives about 
discrimination, you know, racism, homophobia, xenophobia, but what is even more important is anyone can open those spaces, but the people who are experiencing that discrimination, that marginalization, they have to lead it. It's their voices that we need to uplift and we need to let them lead that dialogue. And that that includes relinquishing some of the power. A civil dialogue doesn't always have to be 50-50. It's gonna be more for one person and less for the other. And when we realize that, that's when we can truly cultivate a, a civil conversation that empowers someone who is experiencing such a hardship. Well said, um, thank you, thank you for that. Uh, so last question, this is a lightning round uh, question. Um, uh, so this podcast audience is, uh, would be mostly business owners uh, here in our community, many of whom may be a generation or two older than yourself. Um, with that in mind, from your perspective uh, and your research and, and all the thought that you've put into uh, civility and civil discourse, what is your one message, the one thing that you think that we should do to advance civil discourse today? Uh, I'll go to Samantha first. Well, I think it's start the conversation. Uh, I think that's a huge part of it is create safe spaces, um, whether it's in business or in your community or with your friends, your family, to have those difficult conversations. Um, like Ariel was saying, it's not always going to be happy and pleasant. Um, it's not always about having just a quiet conversation. It's about, you can have an argument, you can debate. It's about having healthy debate and it's about, you know, respecting one another and by creating a safe space to talk about it. That's the first step. You just, we got to talk about it. We can't pretend that incivility doesn't exist. Incivility impacts everyone in different ways, whether you're a woman, a person of color, uh, and we have to just make those times and those spaces available to actually have the conversation. Excellent. Thank you. And, and Ariel. Yeah, I mean, Samantha said it super well, really going off of that. It's not only about opening up those spaces, but really valuing what it means to have civil conversation. You can open up a space, you can create a workplace event that's like, hey, let's be civil. But if it's just like, oh, we're doing it so that, you know, it looks like we're trying to do this and there's not actually any genuine care about what it means to be civil and to continue those conversations, it's not going to create any lasting impact. There has to be a connection between people being civil and understanding what that means in the long term. And on the opposite hand, people acting in an uncivil way and understanding what that means in the long term, how these individual actions are gonna change a slew of things about you know, how people act in the workplace to how, like if they enjoy their job, all of these things. And on top of that, if you're gonna take away one thing specifically about how to pursue civil dialogue, I think the key to keeping disagreements civil is to criticize ideas rather than individuals. This is extremely important. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, commitment and accountability to long-term uh, success in this in this area. And this is such a this is such an important conversation. I want to thank you again, both of you, for joining us uh, on this podcast. Samantha, Ariel, really appreciate your time. Uh, for our listeners, I encourage you to do two things. Please check out full Bateman entries from both uh, Cal State Long Beach and Nebraska Lincoln on our blog post that will be included with this podcast. And for our audience uh, here in Arvada and in Colorado, please take our, 
Arvada Way Civility Pledge at arvadachamber.org slash civility. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time on the What's Important Now podcast. Thank you.